Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. And I just want to read out of Isaiah chapter 9 to start off with. Isn't God's presence so good? Amen. Oh, come on. If, it, if that was for me, that was okay. But if it was for Jesus, we got to do better than that. Isn't God's presence so good? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. New King James Version says, The zeal of the Lord shall accomplish this. There is a passion in God's heart and what God does. And and so what we gather, when we gather and celebrate the baby in the manger, when we celebrate Jesus coming to earth, we must recognize that this was God's initiative. And no matter what, no matter who wanted it to happen or who didn't want it to happen, it was happening because of God's zeal. And it reminds me of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and it's called the Shema statement for the Jews. The, the Hebrews were, they were told this statement. It was called the Shema, and it starts off in verse 4, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And it goes on and it says, it, it says teach, teach them to your children. Meditate on the Word of God, on the law of God. Teach it to your children. Put it on your forehead. Put it on your doorpost. Talk about it. And when we, when we look at this, there is actually no accurate English translation for the word here. It says, hear, O Israel. And the word here, actually in Hebrew, it, it's more than just listen It's actually hear and appropriately respond. So what is the appropriate response? That's what's in that word hear, right? In the Shema. It's to not only listen to what God is doing, listen to what God is saying, but also to actively and appropriately respond to what He is doing. And it goes on in the next verses and it explains what the appropriate response to hearing about what God is doing is. And it says, it's like, listen to the law of God and then teach it to your children. Share it with your neighbors. Talk about Him. Talk about what He is doing. Keep it always before you in the forefront of your mind, the forehead, right? In the forefront of your mind, on the doors of your post, of your doorposts. When you're going in, you're coming out. Keep it always before you and to love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. That is the appropriate 
response. That's the Shema, is to hear, God, we're listening to you. And yet we also want to appropriately respond to you. I'm going to preach really short here this morning, okay? So I just want to let you know that it's the, the testimony of John the Beloved is this. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, he says this. He says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. This is actually a direct correlation to the Shema statement. The one, the fact that he uses the, those words one and heard in Greek is a direct correlation saying, listen, we have heard of him. We have seen him, the one who is to come. Okay, we saw him with our eyes and we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Verse two, this one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you. See the response. See the appropriate response. We've seen him. We've encountered him. And now we're going to testify about it. And we testify And proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Last week, we talked about the message of the Magi. When they came, the, the kings, you know, the, the, the Magi, the wise men, when they came to the Lord, we talked about the message. What was their message? What, what was their example that they gave to us? Well, they brought gold, right, which is the offering of kings. It's, it's the honor of kings. They brought frankincense, which is the, to honor the priestly function that Jesus would stand in as our high priest to take our place And then they brought myrrh. Myrrh was the spice that was used in embalming. A prophetic symbol of Christ's sacrifice for us, honoring his role as the one who would take our place and die on our behalf so that you and I could be reunited with our heavenly father in, in unity and in relationship. And so we see the testimony of John the Beloved saying, listen, we have handled him, we have spoken to him, and and we have seen him, we have seen his acts. We see the message of the Magi where they give us an example of how to worship, of how to be faithful, and then we hear the message of the manger. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is the message of the manger. What is the message of the manger? That God himself wrapped himself in flesh and came and became a baby and was allowed himself to be handled by us, to be handled by mankind. In the, in the message of the manger, we see God, we see his heart being reflected that he allows himself to be encountered. He allows himself to be, I mean, he could come and, and keep his distance and be like, no, you bow and you worship, but he didn't do that. And in that, we see the goodness of God. We see God's goodness in how he presented himself to us as mankind in a manger. We see his goodness coming and being handled 
by imperfect mankind, being handled by him, what is the appropriate response? What is the appropriate response? John the Baptist also has a similar testimony. When when the Pharisees came to him in in John chapter 1, verses 19, is where we start, and it says, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And they go through this whole thing. And he says, I'm not the Christ. And they're like, well, are you Elijah? Are you, are you, the, one to, are you the prophet, the one to come? And he says, no, I'm, I'm not him. And they say, well, who are you? Verse 23 says, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now those who were sent, were from the Pharisees, verse 25. And they ask him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there, one, there is one who stands among you, whom you do not know. And it is he who is coming after me, who is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethbara, Beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day, verse 29, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. We see the testimony of as people encountered what God was doing, as people encountered the message of the manger, as people encountered Jesus, it demands a response. It demands the Shema. What is the appropriate response? And throughout you know, these, this series where we've been talking about, we've, we've paused the foundation series. We're going to come back to that in January. And we, we, we have been doing the Christmas series of talking about the different people and their examples and their testimonies around the birth of Christ. And we're looking at this, and, and we see both the positive and the negative responses. We see both the appropriate and the inappropriate response to what God is doing. We, have, we, we, we saw Herod, right? His response was kind of like this response out of fear. He wants, to, he wants to control. He wants to protect himself. He wants to not surrender. He wants to be the one in charge. And I think every one of us have a, a, little, a little Herod in all of our hearts. You know, we want to be in charge. We want to be in control. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to, you know, all right. And then we see Zechariah. We talked about Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist. And we see his response. And, and his response was kind of like, you know, he was in the priestly order. He was called in, he, like, he, he was chosen to go in and offer incense before the court of the Lord. And he encounters this angel, and, and the angel tells him the promise, say, hey, you're, you, even though you guys are old, you're going to have a son. Sounds familiar, right, with Abraham and Sarah? So even though you guys are old, you're going to have a son. And, I mean, his response is, okay, how do I know this is going to happen? I mean, dude, you're talking to an angel. <laughs> like, you know, Right? But his response was actually kind of the skeptic, the response of the skeptic, the response of the skeptic. And we see that the angel says to him, well, because you did not believe, you're not going to be able to speak 
until he is born. And then we see the comparison to the response of Mary. Mary, when the angel shows up to her, Gabriel comes and he says, listen, you're going to have a son. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. The power of the Most High is going to come upon you. And you will be with child. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Amen. And talks to, talks to her about the coming of Jesus and the birth of Jesus. And, and what is her response in all of the, God, I don't know what this means. I don't, I don't know how to respond. But, but let it be to me as you have said. Let it be to me as you have said. And, and we see the appropriate response to what God was doing. We see her heart in response. And so this morning, as we, we talk about the message of the manger, what is the message of the manger? The message of the manger is John chapter 3, verse 16. says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever, tell your neighbor, say whoever, believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? That's the message of the manger. Right there, it's the message of the cross. It's the message of surrender. And each one of us, we have the opportunity for the Shema. What is the appropriate response? And my question to us all this morning is, what is our response? What have we done with the message of the manger? We have the response of the fearful. Like Herod, who says, no, I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to fight what you're doing, God. We have the response of, of the religious. You know, Zechariah, was, was, he was part of the religious order. And that's, that's sometimes that's scary. Is sometimes we, when we see, you know, and, and there, there can be this tend towards skepticism. When we've been around the things of God and we've seen people blow it, <laughs> you know, we still have faith in God. We just don't have faith in people. <laughs> Yeah, and there's, there's all this, and, and, but we need to guard our hearts because th- that response can be like a religious sp- response of being skeptical and unbelieving, like, yeah, yeah, well, when it happens, yeah, we'll see. Or there, that's the, the skeptic's response, the religious response. And then we have Mary's response that says, God, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, I'm in. I don't understand it. Walk me through it. <laughs> You know, that was her question to, to Gabriel. Uh, how is this going to happen? <laughs> right? We're allowed to ask how. <laughs> right? But her response was saying, let it be to me as you're doing. You see, when God shows up with his zeal, as he as talks about in Isaiah chapter 9, when his passion shows up for a region, for an area, and, and listen, the, the gospel, the message of the manger, the gospel is what God is doing. Amen. It is what he is doing in our region, his coming kingdom. That's the message of the gospel right there, right? Like that's what he is doing. And, and when he shows up with his zeal and his passion for what he is doing, what he is about, it is our job to decide our response. It's our job to have a Shema. It's our job to respond appropriately. And so my question to us this morning is, what have you done with the message of the manger? There's the fear response. There's the religious skeptical response. And then there's the faithful response that says, God, I'm in. I ask you to fill me. I ask you to lead me. I want to be a part of it. I, I'm going with you, God. And so 
that's my question today. And everyone, we have the examples in Scripture. We, have, we talked about um, Anna, and we talked about um, how when she was in the temple, she was this old lady who had served the Lord in, fair, uh, in prayer and fasting. And I'm, I'm so glad that we're having fasting coming up uh, in January because after these holidays, I need it. But, like, uh, we don't fast to lose weight. We fast to grow closer to God. Sometimes the weight loss is a positive, but, you know, but like she, she served the Lord with prayer and fasting for years, decades. And what was her response when she sees Jesus come in, they come in to dedicate Jesus, right? And her response was to go and tell everyone from that day forward the message that the Messiah, the one we've waited for has come. That was her response. That was her Shema. It was the appropriate response. It was like, what, what else can we do? That was the response of the shepherds. It says that, that the news of what had happened traveled all over the hill country, all over the, the villages. That's the response. And so the response of the faithful is to say, yes, Lord. We see the response of the wise men come to worship him with, all that, with, with their gifts of honor, Right? The worship response of the faithful. And we see the response was to worship. Let God's work have his way in our life. And then to become a living testimony where we share it with other people. We share it with other people. We don't all have to become preachers on a stage. We don't all have to become, you know, having a microphone or being able to sing. Like, who who was singing this morning? Phil Wickham. You know, like, like, like we, don't, we don't have to be, we just have to show up and talk about Jesus because we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. That's the greatest commandment. That's our greatest purpose. And that is the only appropriate response to what God does in our generation. Amen. The gospel is simply this, that God loves every person. He loves mankind. But when Satan led a rebellion against God, mankind followed in Satan's rebellion and disobeyed God's word. And because of that, the relationship with our Heavenly Father was broken. Our Heavenly Father is the one who knows who we are. He knows why we exist. And that relationship was broken. And our ability to to walk with him and live with him for eternity was gone. You know, you and I have been created to live forever. We've been created to live forever. That's why death seems so wrong. (laughs) That's why death seems so wrong. And we stand with those who are grieving people that they've lost this year. And maybe this is the first Christmas without a loved one. And we stand with you. And we don't don't, uh, forget you in these moments of celebration. But that's why death seems so wrong. Because each one of us were created to live forever. And there's only one way to do that. And that's in relationship with our Heavenly Father, the one who knows who we are, the one who knows why we exist. And that's why Jesus came. He came to step into the mangers of our life, to step into the messiness of our life. We don't have to get cleaned up to come to him, right? He's the one that cleans us up. Amen? Like, he's not afraid of your mess. I might be afraid of your mess. He's not afraid of your mess. No, I'm just kidding. You know, like, there's this... (laughs) You know, there's... There's this place where he's the one that steps in to the mangers of our life, into the messy stables of our life, and he brings salvation. He reconnects us 
in relationship to our Heavenly Father so that we can know who we are and that we can know why we exist and what we are called to do in our life. Amen? Each one of us has a purpose. Each one of us has a mandate from the Lord. What have you done with the message of the manger? What have we done with the message of the manger? Can we stand? Worship team, you can come. I just want to pray over us this morning and pray with you this morning. Those three responses, the response of the fearful, the response of the skeptic, or the response of the faithful. If you look over your life, I think I look over my life and I think there's been times that I've been all three. If I'm honest, times I've been all three. Maybe it had to do with what I was walking through, (laughs) people who had hurt me, whatever, people I've seen were disappointed or, or areas that God was putting his finger on that I didn't want to give up control over. Where are you this morning? What is your Shema? What is your appropriate response to what God is doing? What he has done and what he is doing in your life. You see, there's a a lot of times we can get disappointed when God doesn't do what we want him to do. There's this thing that we... Hear me out. This, this is not a perfect way to say this, and, and I, I recognize that, so I want to submit that to you right away. But we have principalized God, meaning that we, we, we look in Scripture, which is what we should do, and we see what God has done there, and we say, God, that's what you're going to do right here. I need you to do this right here. I want you to do this. I want to be wealthy. I want to be healed. I want to be whole. I want to be, you, you, you did it there. I want to hear. And that's good. We need to understand what he can do. More importantly is to understand what he is doing. He always performs his word. He doesn't always perform our word. But he always performs his word. Amen? And so that's why the, the, you know, the very first word to Israel was, Hear, O Israel. The Lord is one. Hear and appropriately respond. He is one. Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Amen? Bind his word to your heart. Teach it to your children. When you go in and you come out, talk about him. Talk about his word. So there's this active, what it's describing, it's describing a relationship. A real, everyday relationship with the one who made us, the one who knows who we are, the one who knows why we exist. And that's what Jesus went to the cross to remove our sin, to remove the punishment of our sin, to wash us clean so that we can be free and come back into relationship with our Heavenly Father and live out eternal life. You know, eternal life starts the minute you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Amen? Jesus said, even though you die, you will live. Amen? And so there's this place of the appropriate response. And so, Father, I ask this morning that you would speak to our hearts of the message of the manger. 
the message of the cross, the message of your kingdom, the message of your active presence with us in our daily life as you lead, you guide, and you direct us. And Father, I pray this morning that if there's anyone here who has not made you their Lord, who has not made you their King, who has not made you their supreme ruler, God, who has not surrendered their life, Father, that the response of the fearful would not be their response this morning. I pray for those, Lord, who have been disappointed or jaded in some way. I pray that the response to what you're doing and to who you are is not the response of the skeptic. Lord, we desire the response of the faithful because you're so good. And God, you don't stand off from afar. You wrapped yourself in flesh and blood. You came as a baby to redeem us to yourself. God, you came with skin in the game. You came with skin in the game. And you don't ask us to walk through anything that you have not walked through. And so, Jesus, I ask this morning that you would come and have your way in our lives. Come and have your way in our hearts. Come and have your way in this church, in Newport Church, God, and the churches of this region that name your name. And, Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us and fills us. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. We're going to have a worship song here. I'm going to come up at the end of that worship song. I'm going to make a call. An altar call, whatever it is. But it's basically just if if you have never given your life over to Jesus Christ. We want to help you do that today. It's not about our prayer, it's not about what we do, it's about what you do before God in your heart. Amen. If you recognize that your response is more the response of the skeptic, just take some time with the Lord and just allow your heart to be washed. Allow your heart to be clean. Amen. If your response is the response of the faithful, just say, God, we ask that you give me your spirit that I may tell others about you. You know, that's why we have the Holy Spirit, so that we may be witnesses. Amen? That's why we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why all the anointings, all that stuff is there to be accurate witnesses to Christ and his kingdom. Amen? Let's go before the Lord and worship. Thanks for listening today. We would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.